0: Good morning, and welcome to Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Part of our mini Monday series will include episodes surrounding wrongful convictions. Our wrongful convictions will be coming from the Innocence Project website. For those of you who do not know, the Innocence Project is a nonprofit organization that by their definition exonerates the wrongfully convicted through DNA testing and reforms the criminal justice system to prevent future injustices. This organization is widely known for the many cases in which they successfully proved a person's innocence. For each Wrongful Conviction mini-episode, the information we are presenting can be found mostly on InnocenceProject.org. Our Wrongful Conviction story this time is about a man named James Bain. James spent more time in prison than any other man wrongfully convicted and exonerated through DNA evidence.
1: This is his story. So pour yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive in.
0: We would like to give a brief warning before jumping into this episode as it deals with violent acts against young children. We will not be going into extreme detail outside of what is necessary to get the story out there. We would advise listener caution for this episode. On March 4th, 1974, a nine-year-old boy was sleeping at his home in Lake Wales, Florida, and someone drug him to a baseball field and proceeded to rape him. This young boy was able to give a brief description of the man who raped him, saying that the man was about 17 to 18 years old and had a mustache and sideburns. He even said that the attacker told him that his name was either Jim or Jimmy, which to me seems a little weird that an
1: attacker is telling you their name. Yeah, unless they said it like during the ruse, maybe like, hi, I'm like Jim, you know. It sounded like he was just like taken from his home. Like he didn't even
0: have the chance to like come up to him because it was while he was sleeping. Yeah. So... The victim's uncle immediately thought of James Bain, who went by Jimmy, based on this description. The victim was shown five to six photographs of different men and was asked who had attacked him. The young boy ended up choosing the photo of James. However, this was one of those situations where the lineups aren't always the greatest, and there were only two men in the photos that had sideburns on march 5th police went to question james who stated that the night before he had been at home watching tv at the time of the attack and this was corroborated by his sister the police decided that this was not enough of an alibi and arrested him anyways which unfortunately being at home isn't always a great alibi but if that's what you're doing then
1: that's your alibi yeah it'd be worse to try and lie and say you're doing something else
0: exactly At the trial, it was presented that DNA evidence was found on the underwear of the victim through semen. However, this was before DNA could be tested. They were able to use this semen, though, to determine the blood type of the attacker, and they discovered that it belonged to somebody that was part of blood group B. James was part of the AB group. However, they just claimed that the A was pretty weak in his blood, so it must have been him.
1: I don't know a lot about blood work but that doesn't sound right to me well i didn't know
0: either but apparently if you are part of the ab group one of them can be stronger oh but somebody from the defense said that he actually had a strong a not a weak one meaning that it wouldn't have popped up saying that he was in the blood group b they
1: sounds like fudged it to fit their story Of course they did.
0: Despite this evidence, James was still convicted of rape, kidnapping, and burglary, and sentenced to life in prison. This was solely based on the fact that the victim chose him in the lineup. Which, to me,
1: really is not a great reason. Especially when it's a young child who's gone through a traumatic event, you know? And you can't just completely rely on their memory in that kind of situation, And when you're only giving them two photos that
0: really can even fit the description that they gave.
1: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15
0: In 2001, a new statute in Florida made it possible for cases to be reopened for DNA testing. So, of course, James wanted to make use of this. He submitted four handwritten motions for the evidence to be tested. However, it was denied all five times that he submitted it. With the help of Bob Young from the Innocence Project of Florida, the DNA from the underwear was finally submitted for testing, and this very quickly excluded James from being the perpetrator. The Polk County State Attorney Jerry Hill then joined the defense in order to declare James innocent. On December 17, 2009, a judge signed the order releasing James from prison after serving 35 years. As soon as James was released, the first thing he did was use a cell phone to call his mother, which was super exciting for him because he'd never used a cell phone before. It wasn't around before he had gone to prison. James ended up receiving $1.7 million from the state of Florida for his wrongful conviction. He received $50,000 for every year he spent in prison. And while that's a lot of money, it doesn't do anything for the 35 years he spent.
1: I agree. It's not... There's nothing that could make up for that, but... At least it'll help him get back on track.
0: Oh, yeah. It, I'm sure it did more than just get him back on track. It did everything. His mother even put her house and her car in his name saying that he she wanted him to have something by himself because he's suffered enough. Oh, did they catch the person who committed the rape? No, the real perpetrator has never been found. James is currently an advocate for the innocence movement and shares his wrongful conviction experience to middle schoolers and colleges and high schools across the country. During an event at Florida Southern College, a student had asked him what he thought about all the technology that he's been introduced to since he was released, and he just said that cars and telephones were the most surprising to him. Because even though there had been cars before he was incarcerated, he said that quote, none of them talked back to me, end quote. James is about 64 years old now, as of 2019, married and has a young son. He is currently in the process of writing a book. James is living life to the fullest after spending 35 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit.
1: You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at CrimeOverCoffeePod at Outlook.com. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm forward slash Erica dash Abby. Donations to our podcast are greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. If you like us, you can recommend us or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us on your podcast listening medium. Thank you so much.